I just want to make a quick announcement. A couple times in this episode, we refer to this being our second podcast, and that is just not true. For whatever reason, this one sat in the vault for a little bit. So if this is your first time listening to our podcast, you don't just have one you can go back and listen to because this is not the second episode. This is actually the fourth. So you have three that you can go back and listen to. And if this is not your first time listening to the podcast, this isn't actually the second episode. So don't skip it because you think you've heard it. This is a new episode. Thanks for listening. In Florida, I went berserk Down where upon these shadows lurk Stretching out across the sky like hands Welcome to Meanwhile in Florida, the podcast about Florida's tourism, history, and... Cool stuff! I'm Manny. I'm Devin. I'm Derek. And today we are talking about Tampa. We got to Tampa last week on our first podcast by talking about Gasparilla, yeah, which Gasp- I just realized I didn't do anything about. Yeah, <laughs> My history is totally no, different. Okay, so there's, there's no, no follow up. line. So if this is your first time listening, don't worry about the last one. <laughs> Unless you love this, then go back and watch the last one. You don't need to listen to the first one to listen to this no, one. That's not, not an like endorsement. A- like, oh, if you're just joining us, you haven't missed anything. <laughs> But really, go listen to the last one. Uh, go ahead, Manny. Your your segment one. is first. Your segment's all about uh, tourism, right? In Tampa, yeah. what to do? Yep. So uh, me and Devin have lived in Tampa before. Actually, Derek, you lived with us for a while. Oh yeah, very briefly. Tell the please. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a, a bonus episode. Um, so we have some experience of living in Tampa, um, but. Um, we didn't do too much of the things that were out there. So looking it up was kind of interesting to seeing all the stuff we missed out on. Just from my memory, I remember really liking the Florida Aquarium when we were there. Mm-hmm. What was that area called? That whole area was cool where the Florida Aquarium was. I want to say it's on Bayside. Channel Side? Channel Side, yeah. Channel Side. We've been to that, uh, the Lightning Arena and their games. The museum, you went to the museum with us. Yeah. At Tampa Bay Museum. That's a really the zoo cool is pretty good too. I yeah, like the, zoo the was Lowry good. Park Zoo, I think it was called. That was a good zoo. Things I've been we- to the aquarium too. The aquarium's got this. Uh, it's like a section with a big neon light where it says like the no bone zone, which is like where you would like pet. No, we're probably not pet, but like touch a jellyfish or something. But it's like I, well, the first time I saw it, I thought it said the bone zone. I was like, what the? Heck? <laughs> <laughs> um, the things we didn't do much of. I know we live 15 minutes away from Bush Gardens, but we didn't like roller coasters, so no, we didn't go to Bush Gardens or anything that. like that. Um, but. So I wanted to do something kind of different than what was expected. So I wanted to look at first just the Skyway Bridge is listed as the number four thing to do in Tampa, which is just a bridge in Tampa. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a bridge in Tampa that crosses. It's not even technically in Tampa. It's in like. Bradenton connected to St. Pete. Oh, I know. And it's this bridge that kind of looks like a Busch Gardens roller coaster if you Google image it. Um, So it's called the Sunshine Skyway Bridge. Just a couple of facts about it. It was um, completed in 1987. It costs $244 million and it is 29,040 feet long, um, which is the longest bridge in the world. Uh, Is it really? Yeah. Have some, oh, have some. that must be okay. I was like, man, do we just find it like Tampa sucks? Cause like yeah. the number four thing to do is a, is the bridge. No, like, and this we have we been on this bridge? I've been. We've driven home this way once because it did. goes down the west coast, and we used to go down more like the. I thought I was imagining it, but um, a this good. Is insane. Are you looking at it? No, yeah, you should I, pull up laptop. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let me read this review to you. This is actually the most recent review. I thought it was a great uh, perspective of of um what the bridge is this this review is called the bridge extravaganza wow this bridge is quite impressive spanning across a major waterway as part of tampa bay i've had the honor of driving my car across the bridge bridge and boating under the bridge the Mm -hmm. beauty of the bridge structure is apparent from any angle you view it from kudos to the engineers for this fine landmark (laughs) that was mike from clearwater he really enjoys the bridge um some of the 
keywords that are, it's, it's funny looking at some of the things about this bridge, like it has a fishing pier. A lot of people are afraid to drive over it because of how high it gets. If you, if you're listening mm-hmm. to this, you should Google a picture of it. Yeah, it really does look cool. like, yeah, it looks like a roller coaster at some point. Um, but I don't like roller coasters. As I said, that's why I didn't go to Bush Gardens. And I don't remember it being that bad when I went on it, but some people do. Some people do have some, uh, some reviews I'll talk about in a second, but some facts about this bridge. This is actually the Skyway Bridge isn't the first bridge to to span the Tampa Bay, um, the Tampa Bay. Uh, in fact, the four mile steel, uh, I might say this wrong, cantilever bridge uh, used to live right where the Sunshine Skyway uh, Bridge is now. Um, but actually, during a storm on May 9th, 1980, a freighter that was called Summit Venture plowed into the bridge and and destroyed it. So that's actually why they built that bridge to replace that one. Um, the other that, one, I, I'm looking at a picture of the other one. It looks lame. The, the last one? Compared yeah. to the new one. Yeah, the new one's supposed to... Yeah, the new one's like really architectural. Like, it looks nice <laughs> yeah but the old one i guess a thousand feet uh of the bridge fell into the bay oh, wow. and actually it killed 35 motorists and bus passengers that were on there Jeez. um anyways they've created the the way they have set this new bridge up to make sure that doesn't happen again is they put these like concrete islands around the bridge like around those structures they call them dolphins so any boats that come through would hit the dolphin if you're going to hit the bridge, you're going to hit the dolphin first. <laughs> Not a real dolphin, the structure that's around the bridge. Um, but yeah, so some of the other bridges, um, lengths of other bridges, just to compare this, I said this one's 29,040 feet. Uh, the Golden Gate Bridge is 8,981 feet. No way. That's a lot smaller. And the Brooklyn Bridge is 3,460 feet. Hmm. Um, there's another bridge in like China the, that's really long. I don't know. What about the one in Key West? Isn't there like an eight mile bridge or something like that? Something like that. But maybe maybe because like it goes from one to a also. Uh, well, maybe I miss. Maybe it goes this from is the longest Island bridge maybe? of like that cantilever okay. structure, like that type of like yeah yeah those really elaborate like Brooklyn Golden Gate type bridges yeah. where they're they're like triangles kind of yeah. Um, so I was, yeah, that one's I'm on the Wikipedia page and I hopefully I'm not taking something from you but apparently the travel channel rated it number three and it's special on top 10 bridges in the world nice I wonder what the other two I are. must have missed that one <laughs> the um, <laughs> it says it's uh, 430 feet tall like that's um, the Brooklyn Bridge is only 277 feet wow. so like that's 30 feet taller than like the Orlando Eye so I can see why people might yeah avoid it if they were i have oh, some yeah. i have some accounts of people who didn't like it who are afraid <laughs> Ooh, of let's hear. uh this is a one star rating on <laughs> TripAdvisor, uh titled fear of bridges i was on the original bridge when it struck and collapsed in the storm oh, in man. 1980 they have an excuse yeah this is instilled a tremendous fear of bridges for me i do not like um long or high bridges especially those that span a bay for several miles <laughs> how many bridges do that <laughs> i visited tampa several times per year for work and i have relatives in Fort Myers and Clearwater and I make it a point to drive out of my way to avoid the Sunshine Skyway even if that means driving extra hours this is casually thrown in there but this bridge is known for multiple suicides I cannot find anything good to say about this bridge (laughs) unless you love bridges stay away from the Sunshine Skyway that's hilarious um, it's just like so unreasonable to leave a review that's like I don't like these things yeah. <laughs> it's not good unless you like these things then stay away like that's alright it is that's one thing I'm definitely noticing these these low uh, comments are just completely personal um, but yeah and then uh, I guess also I mean there's multiple people talking about just the fear of like the heights of going up feels just like a roller coaster and coming down doesn't uh, so don't uh, fear that but overall um i've been on that bridge before and like i said i don't I like mm-hmm. roller coasters and that thing is not a roller coaster it's just a really creepy bridge because of how tall it is but it's beautiful um yeah so that's the sunshine skyway i do have another place that i uh wanted to talk about that i didn't go to when i lived in tampa and i, I want to go to now after reading about it but the tampa theater did we go there Mm-hmm. it's like I remember no. seeing it 
But um, so this this Tampa theater was built in 1926. Um, it's on their website. It's called one of the most elaborate movie palaces and a beloved community landmark. So um, inside the theater, it has like a the roof looks like a night sky with twinkling stars. Uh, there's like a romantic Mediterranean courtyard it has like old statues. It kind of looks a little bit like um what's the the chinese theater is that what it's called over there like in la yeah yeah how it's like it's got this really creepy like but cool old style to it Uh on the inside if you google some pictures of that people are saying a lot of good things about uh, about this theater there um uh yeah so i went to the tampa bay theater for the first time to watch mr rogers documentary with my wife and her company and let me tell you this place is unbelievable i thought i had stepped into a time machine and walked out into 1700 spain the interior architecture is simply beautiful the seats were incredibly comfortable and i love that you could get alcohol this is random now the theater has nothing to do with the show but on a side note if you haven't seen mr rogers show it's fantastic <laughs> so i do want to see that actually it's still uh, playing yeah. there uh i won't say the next sentence because they started to spoil the movie no one wants that oh. it looks really he, cool he just died, does he? <laughs> <laughs> i don't he, it looks had i known this was because now i'm looking at pictures of the outside and i've definitely seen this we didn't go in though had i known what was inside i know it's it, it's a travesty it insane. that we didn't go in um but yeah, other than the, the, I always like to look at the keywords, meaning like what do people who leave comments about it speak the most of? And the most commented thing in all the comments is the Wurlitzer organ. Oh, yeah. So they have, a yeah, the mighty Wurlitzer organ that was there um, originally. So they had this organ when it first opened in 1926. It's a 1400 pipe instrument that they play like live with the silent films to give oh, them music wow. or whatever. But then uh, the article said as talkies took over in the 1930s. So I guess movies with words, um, they actually retired the organ and moved it or sold it to a Bayshore Baptist church. But what's really cool is in the 1980s, um, the Central Florida Theater, Theater Organ Society, that's the Central Florida <laughs> Theater Organ specific. Society made it their goal to get that mighty Wolitzer back to its original home. Did they like form <laughs> with that purpose? Like yeah. what else are they How doing? How many members could they possibly have? <laughs> Central Florida Theater Organ Society. Yeah, so they... Um, they got the mighty Wurlitzer back um, and it is back there at the Tampa Theater. And they they the Tampa Theater actually hosts. Uh, they have guest um, organists come in and organists and come in and uh, play music for like special events and things like that. I don't think they're doing live playing with the Mr. Rogers Neighborhood movie or anything <laughs> like that. Um, but they, yeah, they do. So that that's a place I wish we would have went to. We'll probably go to. We don't live that far. Yeah. So I'm doing the history of Tampa and I decided to kind of focus specifically on an area of Tampa. So I'll I'll kind of get into that in just a second, because I feel like we've already talked about that. We might go back to these major cities for some for sure for some comeback episodes. So um, to connect us with our last episode of St. Augustine, um, Ponce de Leon, uh, the Spanish explorer, first arrived in Tampa Bay in in 1513. But um, Spain at the time was not very concerned about the East Coast. They really only um, wanted to. I mean, sorry, the opposite. They were only concerned about the East Coast. They left the West Coast alone. So Tampa kind of nothing really was going on for a long time until like like the 1800s. So. Tampa started to become really developed um, in the 1800s, like the mid 1800s. The U.S. Army established a fort there to try to protect it. And then um, um, Henry B. Plant was a major part of um, he played a major role um, by building a railroad extension um, through Florida. And Tampa was a major hub of the railroad and so along his railroad routes he'd build these really lavish hotels and um that's something i'd like to talk about at some point we have been to that museum the henry b plant museum it was his former hotel and that that thing is insane it's now the university of tampa Oh, yeah. um, the hotel. Became, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They added buildings. So it like that, but it, yeah, it was huge. It was huge. And um, but that's not the point. 
of my talk today. Um, so a couple of things about Tampa, uh, because it has access, to the, there's the Tampa Bay there and the Hillsborough River. They found phosphates in there. So it became a big mining and shipping town. And that's where it got a lot of its wealth. So um, what I wanted to focus on is an area known as Ebor City. We've been to Ybor City. Yeah. You've been to Ybor yeah, City. Ybor City. Um, City is what kind of gave Tampa its nickname of Cigar City. And um, it is the oldest Cuban community in the United States, which even older than Little Havana. So surprising. That's, yeah, it is surprising. Um, it all goes back to a guy named Vicente Martinez Ybor. Uh, he was born in Valencia, Spain, to a pretty wealthy family. Um, it says he was sent to Cuba. I don't didn't say why he was sent to Cuba, but he moved to Cuba at age fourteen. He gets married, has kids. Um, his wife unfortunately dies, but he begins a cigar company in Cuba. Um, it gets bigger, becomes a full size factory. Has another wife, has more kids. Um, then something known as the Ten Years' War broke out in Cuba. Um, I had never heard of this. I don't... I was thinking... When I looked it up, I was like, is this the same thing as the Spanish-American War? It's not. This was in 1868. It's pretty much like the precursor to the Spanish-American War. Cuba wanted to be free of Spain. Spain didn't want to let it go. And so um, this sugar planter led like a rebellion against... Spain it ended up failing. But one thing I thought was interesting about this rebellion is that this guy actually wrote out a constitution um, in, you know, in the event that they became free. And uh, it included like uh, annexing, which means like adding Cuba to the United States. And so he had this whole constitution written out and he was like, and Cuba will become part of the United States. And the United States like had nothing to do with this at all. Like oh. the America like didn't agree to this, like. Uh, I think Grant was the president at the time, and okay. he like he just like ignored it. We were they were like, I don't know what you're talking about. What was about. his plan to just show it to them? And <laughs> I guess I don't know. It ultimately, proposal. it failed. Um, this is like that generation's version of like the wall that Trump was going to build, and Mexico was going to pay for it. Probably, like, yeah. We're going to become a state, and the U.S. is going to pay for it. U.S. going to take us in. And Grant's um, like, under no circumstance <laughs> are we going to pay. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting, but um, it failed. But anyways, so back to Martin. Martinez Ebor, he supported the rebellion and stuff like that. And so he fled to Key West to kind of get away from all that and escape. And um, so he originally goes to Key West and he relocates all his factories there. But Key West didn't completely suit um, what he was looking for. So he looked at Tampa, which now has all these railroads, thanks to Henry B. Plant. Um, it's got a port. It's got a good climate. Um Apparently it was cheaper back then, and so he moved there. One thing I think was that was interesting when I was looking this up is plants um, railroads. He had a railroad line leaving from Tampa that went to Key West, Cuba, and Jamaica. I didn't know oh. you could just take the train from Tampa to Cuba or Tampa to Jamaica. Jamaica. I those don't exist still. I'm get right. No, that just must have. I can't remember my head around how that ever was. I, so I, I'll show you guys later. But I, I have a picture of the map. I mean, it's just a drawing. So mm -hmm. I mean, I, but um, because I, when I read that, I was like, wait, how do you take a train to Cuba? But apparently, it was there. Um, so that's further research for us to do. Oh, weird. Unless it's like the the Google Maps directions were like, <laughs> and then like just it's like oh yeah, here's the directions, and halfway through it was like get on the boat. <laughs> I don't know. So so he moves everything to Tampa. Um, his whole cigar cigar industry, all the factories, and all these Cuban and Spanish workers follow because they know there's jobs and everything, and um, so he creates this quarter of Tampa that is just completely Latin and it becomes known as Ebor city. Um, this guy was kind of, I don't know particular if he was like a good guy or not, but as far as like the economy, he founded a gas company, a paving company, a fire insurance company, oh, like wow. all these things. He built roads, he built houses, like he did all this stuff. Um, so kind of a hometown hero in a sense. Um, he would build these houses and sell them to his workers. And I think they're still, I, I don't remember seeing them when we were in Ebor City, but there's like a row of a couple of these houses that were known as casitas. And like, that's where the workers would live. And mm. he built them on, would like rent them out to the workers and stuff like that. He brought in doctors and he did all kinds of stuff. He, um, he turned over one of his wooden factories to be used as a theater and a meeting place. And like I said, he, he invested in a streetcar system. And so he really, that whole, 
area of town is just all because of him. So um, I have some statistics at the height of Ybor City's cigar manufacturing glory. 500 million cigars were rolled in these factories in 1929. There was men and women working. They had all kinds of different jobs, rolling the cigars, handling the tobacco, packaging them. Um, but yeah, I remember seeing like there's a lot of information about this, like in the windows and there's a lot of museums and stuff down there that we didn't go into a lot of these little things. Mm-hmm. But I remember seeing like pictures and windows and plaques and like all kinds of stuff dedicated to the cigar industry. One thing I thought was interesting, Jose Marti, who was kind of like the leader of the actual Spanish-American War, which is... The rebellion that actually got rid of Spain and Cuba. Okay. He would go to Ivor City um, and he would, from the steps of the factory, he would um, basically like try to get the cigar workers to take up arms against Spain. So okay. like he would recruit basically in Tampa because there were so many Cubans and Spanish. Right. So, on. so I thought that was interesting. I have something else that ties to him in just a second. I'll come back to that later. Um, but after the Great Depression, World War II, um, cigar rolling became more mechanized. A lot of people lost their jobs. And so it kind of lost the glory that it once was. But um, in the neighborhood, uh, like in the 50s and 60s, the neighborhood really deteriorated, actually. It kind of started falling apart, running down. People weren't investing in it and building it up. Um, not until recently, like in the 80s, that uh, in 90s, something like that, people started like moving back in and try, they call it uh, like urban renewal. Mm, they right. try to like invest revitalize. in these things. Yeah, revitalize and stuff like that. Like gentrification and yeah. stuff like that. Which is controversial, those, but... I, I do know, thinking about uh, the cigar factories, like there are some big old factories still there, right? Yeah, so I have some information about that. Let me... Um, because I just know that. from driving on like the highway, you always see these huge, yeah, old so, places. Uh, so it's fun, interesting you bring that up, asking about kind of what these old factories are today. Um, so there's a couple old factories that still exist. They're not factories anymore, but the one of the largest ones is is called Ebor Square, or I think it might be just known as that now. It's actually owned by the Church of Scientology. Mm. And uh, they do have a little museum inside with information on the building's former life. So part of me wants to go in under the ruse of being like, I want to see the little cigar museum, but also be like, what is going on in this building? Kind of freaks me out a little bit, but... um, Isn't Tampa a big place for Scientology? I think Uh, it is. I don't know. I read that book, you, that yeah, Leah Remini book. You've read more about Scientology than me. Um, I think it is. There's like a big boat or something like that. Like that tra- they like, tra- I think like it's like where it, it's like the origin of it is. I really? don't know. That'll be episode two. We can't alienate Scientology because we already it's have like those old St. Augustine people after us. From yeah. The episode. <laughs> yeah. Every like secret <laughs> society. No, yeah. Scientology, they like, according to that book, they like go after you. What was the book? Uh, I forget the name of the book, but it was Leah Remini's book. Oh, yeah, that's right. There's also that documentary. Uh, I didn't watch that. I want to say it's called Going Clear or something like that. Is it like cool. is it by somebody like like an actor or something like that who or just it's no? Just it's just a, a documentary in general about and they've got interviews with people who made it out and stuff like that. Yeah. There's also one time I was in Goodwill and they had all of um L. Ron Hubbard's like sci-fi novels. Like, oh, really? <laughs> just weird, like somebody had all of them and like gave them away at the same time. <laughs> it's like such a funny idea. Um, Ybor City is also uh, they filmed a bunch of Magic Mike there I think that's where I want to say that that's supposed to be kind of where it was like set but they definitely filmed some scenes in Ybor City and like Tampa proper Um, but some other areas like that were once factories are now like shopping plazas or you know stuff like that the um, the streetcar still runs actually it's run by Tico which is a electric company but Mm -hmm. but still runs um and yeah, there's all kinds of, I think there, it says Columbia Restaurant used to be one of the only dining options. And obviously now there's tons of food and there's a movie theater and there's like all kinds of stuff you can do there. So bringing it back to Jose Marti, like I said, I was going to, there's a park in Ybor City known as Jose Marti Park. And it's a very small park and um, it actually is Cuban 
property. So when you cross through the archway, oh, you're, you're entering into Cuban no property. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it was uh, donated to the Republic of Cuba in 1956, which was three years before the communist revolution. And they accepted the property and the American consul in Havana certified it and everything like that. So um, it, it got weird when the communist revolution happened, but the land is still as of when this article was written, the property of the Republic of Cuba. Yeah, I was going to say, so when it wasn't okay for Americans to go to Cuba, could no one go to the park then? No, you still could. That was the closest you could get. Wow. Um, they said that the uh, the park actually contains soil from each of Cuba's provinces. That's like, so they brought, oh, like, cool. They brought soil over. Really um, and they have memorial statues to two heroes of the Cuban independence. One of those would be Jose Marti and um, another one is Jose Antonio de la Caridad Maceo y Grajales. That's who the guy's name. I don't know who that is, but I'm surprised um, you went for that. Me too, actually. I shouldn't have. That was good. But um, but yeah, apparently, I guess now the like to, the maintenance of the park is in the hands of just the Tampa Cuban American community, and um, but it was as you could probably guess in the '60s, it was like a common area for like clash like political clashes and like between pro castro and anti castro and um yeah so but it still is um it still is cuban property i guess it's it was on the property of the former house of a woman named paulina pedroso who was a prominent leader of the cuban revolution was a good friend of his so when she um she donated the the land and and uh, yeah, apparently she helped him recover from an assassination attempt mm. in nice 1892. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. I had no idea that was there or the story behind it. And yeah, we underrated and things are getting better with Cuba now. But um, might be, awesome. I don't know, might be the closest. Yeah. You I'd like to go to Cuba. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely the cheapest way. That's to get true. There. Uh, that's cool. There's something very similar where there's like British land in North Carolina. Oh, really? Um, I think like there was like British soldiers buried there or something like that. So they. I don't. I don't <laughs> think it's literally dirt that they brought there, though. Like yeah. I don't think it's. Yeah, like, I thought that was British really soil. cool. Part cool. of it. Like it's it's like for real Cuban soil over there. Yeah, one of the um. So I got my sources. I don't know if I'm. But I got my sources from a couple of different places, and one of them was um, a site called the Tamper. Tamper, the Tampa River Walk, and they actually had a whole. Actually, let me double check that I'm looking at the right one. But they had a whole um, itinerary of like visiting Ybor City and what you should do. And nope, that was not the right one. It was this is my south maybe, but um, I was we should Tampa's not that far, so we should uh, one of these days go over there and like do this whole. I don't know how you spend all day. It's not that big. Of it's like a couple blocks, right? Yeah. But they had a Ooh. whole. Is there a way we could we could all attach ourselves to this voice recorder, like walk around the <laughs> city? It We're starts. It starts at nine a.m. and ends at dinner at seven. So there's yeah, they have a whole itinerary of what to do all day. So maybe one day we'll do that. It's not a bad idea. It's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I've got a couple like uh, bizarre Tampa stories. I guess um, one, I, this one I'm telling kind of from memory. Um, so I might get a few details wrong, but it, it, can, it connects to that um, Jose Gaspar story that I told last week. I wasn't planning on saying it, but since uh, we didn't touch on it at all, I feel like I might as well. Um, so you might recall last week I told the story about how um, Jose Gaspar was a famous pirate. Um, like legendary pirate like in the literal sense to where some people aren't sure if he's like a real guy or not um but so supposedly his ship is attacked by a um like an american warship and they pretty much bring it down and jose gaspar ties himself to the anchor and throws himself aboard and only like a few guys survive and one of the other guys that survived um his name was juan gomez and he um just kind of lived out like a normal life like past that um but like when he was older he like 
supposedly he knew where Jose Gaspar's treasure was, which was like a big deal. Nobody knows like where his his treasure was hidden. And it's somewhere like on the Florida coast. Uh, anyway, so he like asked these two guys for help because he's old now. And like he asked if you can, you know, like um, help me out, supply me with like a rowboat and like a wheelbarrow and stuff like that. Um, I'll take you with me to go get the treasure. And you can keep, you know, like, a, a, I don't know if they, it was like a three way split or whatever. Um, so so they go and um, they, they come and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm sick today. We can't go today. We'll go like tomorrow. And they come back the next day and he's dead, of course. Um, but so they start like tearing his house apart, trying to find any kind of evidence of where mm-hmm. the treasure was because this guy knew. And inside like a jar, they found a little tin plate. Um, with like words etched on it. It's not even like words. And if you look at like our old Google Hangout, I, don't, I can just bring it up on my phone and show you. It's like the, just a really weird um, code. It's just like, uh, I won't read the whole thing because it's just going to sound simple. Like the first line is just like O dash X N X W dash W dash V E R dash V A R. And it's just like this what? weird, it like, like a PlayStation 2. Yeah, yeah. It totally looks like, a, like an old cheat code. <laughs> um, and it, like since then, people have been trying to figure out what that could possibly I'm mean or be or whatever. Yeah, they, yeah, they've been trying to figure out the cheat code um, for Gaspar Shutters. That's kind of interesting. That's insane. Yeah, weird. So, um, I mean, no one has like gone any further with this? No, no, they just. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's I think the whole who, like, podcast should change. So let's figure this just out. figuring this out. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, o X N X W. Yeah, and then like at some point there's like like a one dash one slash ten. Yeah. Like, it's like really strange. Um, so yeah, if, if any of our listeners want or like uh, like the people that solve solve the zodiac code, uh, look up this and see if you can figure it out. Um, uh, this time I am looking into like I looked into the weird like haunted places in Tampa and the most haunted place in Tampa is actually um, it's it's not what I would have expected. It's actually a parking garage. Um, it's the Fort Brook parking garage on Franklin Street. Um, so like it was that. built in the 1980s. By which I mean it was built in 1980. Um, <laughs> and what happened is um, w- when they were breaking ground on it, they realized that they were building it over a cemetery because Fort Brook was a fort mm, at one time. Okay. And so as they're, yeah, as they, they unearthed a bunch of um, bones during the construction, which they realized were the remains of um, soldiers and Native Americans that all fell during um the some war I didn't write it down. <laughs> the history is not my job, um, and so yeah, so they found out it was the remains of soldiers and uh, Native Americans, and it's funny because like um, whenever I hear a story and they're like, oh, they found like bones, I'm like, ooh, and they're like, but, but they were like Native American bones, and I'm like, oh man, it's gonna be super hot, yeah. like for some reason, oh, it's really like the weirdest form of racism now. where it's like, oh, uh, Native American bones are. This are is the second time in a row though, because remember the. What was it? The Fountain of Youth place. Yeah, yeah, they had, yeah, that's true. Um, so what they did is they actually went ahead and they were able to remove all the bones and they relocated the soldiers. They gave them like a proper military um, burial, and the Native American bones they sent um, and reburied in a um, local Seminole reservation. Um, but they still say. If, if, to the point where it's the most haunted place in, in a pretty historic city is remarkable. Um, and you wouldn't think a parking garage would be really creepy, but apparently um, it's not uncommon for people to hear like uh, drums, like Native American drums, really? and, like chanting and stuff like that. And um, sometimes people see uh, what they call shadow figures, just like um, where you see things where like only their shadow and stuff like that. So that's pretty eerie. Um, that Tampa Theater is also pretty haunted. Um, as you mentioned, it was built in 1926. And again, by 1929, just like you said, they started filming, uh, showing um, talkies. And it was also mm-hmm. one of the first uh, public buildings to have air conditioning back in the day. Wow. Really? Um, so it was like a big deal. People really, really liked the theater. But by the 60s, um, attendance had really dwindled down um, because... People were switching over to like a suburban lifestyle. They were commuting and stuff like that. So people like just weren't in the city a whole lot. And uh, so it just got run down. It got crummy. People weren't going. Um, but in the 70s, the city of Tampa stepped in and uh, they took over their leases and stuff like that. And the community and the city worked to uh, restore it, which is why it looks so nice today. We, uh, we almost lost it, but they saved it. Um, it's actually listed in the National Register of Historic Places as of 1978. Um, but there's a story about this guy that worked there. He was a projection projectionist for a super long time. His name was Foster Finley, but most people call him Fink. So Fink cool Finley, yeah, Foster Fink 
Finley uh, was a projectionist for years. And, uh, they, you know, they, it's anecdotal, but he like never missed a day. I just like loved working there. But um, one day he had a heart attack, like while on the job, like while projecting. Um, he lived, but uh, basically I don't, it didn't say for sure. Uh, he died a couple months later. I'm not sure if he ever got to like come back to doing the job or if he stayed home after that or whatever. Mm. But anyway, supposedly like um, people will hear his keys, like they'll like they'll hear a drop of his keys or they'll they'll hear them like on his belt. Um, people will smell his cologne, like even like you could just be sitting watching a movie and you'll smell his cologne and stuff like wow. that. Um, they said the most likely times you are to like hear or smell him are uh really early morning um or like late night shows are just like kind of like doubly so when it's closed like when the place is just like quiet um the eeriest one is that people will see him walk across the screen when you're watching a movie they'll say really quickly you can see a guy with his arms behind his back just walking like on the screen Mm -hmm. like the the people that work the projectors have seen it a bunch of times because they're like looking through that little window and of course Mm -hmm. you know people watching movies so that's pretty eerie that's a creepy one that is but they say nobody nobody like ever gets the impression that like nobody's like concerned they just like yeah, I don't think he's out for like yeah he's not yeah. Out, he's like still dropping his keys yeah stuff. yeah it's like, like whoop. he's still just, he's just clumsy. yeah he still just like works there yeah <laughs> so like, yeah I thought that was me any mind anymore <laughs> I'd love to see a ghost <laughs> just like walk across the movie screen oh uh, that'll be crazy so that's pretty much it for me um we can start jumping into like our our odd just like recent Florida stories. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Any anybody want to go first or mine's is about murder. Oh no. So I guess I'll go, go first. Go for it, yeah. All right. Um mine's is a recent uh story actually coming out of Palm Beach Gardens. Um so I got my sources, since you were saying sources earlier, from ABC and World Star Hip Hop. So be <laughs> okay. diverse. Um, so, okay, so I'll kind of just give you the play-by-play so you can figure it out. All right, a man walking his dog in the field discover, um, let me get his name, uh, Abraham, Abrahamson is the guy who who's dead here. So a man was walking with his dog and found Abrahamson, uh, his body, on the morning of January 25th. Um, he also found a cell phone, a paper binder clip, and a small pair of silver metal scissors uh, near his dead body. That seems to happen. Like, I feel like people stumble upon. I mean, that's always I feel like a lot of times it's how it's found. It's like some like someone walking their dog or a hiker. Right. Like, I don't know what I would do in that scenario. Just stumbling upon a body. Yeah, I mean, I would probably call 911. Yeah, that's what I feel like, I feel like the, the right thing to do is probably also the first thought. Like, I, I can't, I can't imagine what you would do other than call nine one one. But I, like, you think that guy's like scarred for life? I would be. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's. I, I don't. I wonder what it like really looks like because I only have a sense from like TV shows and stuff like that. But yeah. if it is at all what it looks like on like a TV show, like when we were watching Sharp Objects the other day and she saw a dead body, like. Yeah. And yeah, you're you're definitely scarred for life. That's I guess it depends too on like you were saying how they died. So continue. How did he die? All right. So uh, after he found the body, um, you know, they go through the whole spiel. Uh, so the investigators are trying to figure out what's going on because, um, you know, he has a bullet going through his chest. Looks like murder. Somebody must have killed him. There's these little things left behind. And the investigators start going through their their normal things. Google Maps has this thing now. Uh, I don't know how long they've had it, but they like literally Google Maps keeps a timeline of everywhere you've been unless you like shut it off. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. I, I looked out on my phone to check. Like, so like it, it tells me you were at this location, which is like Publix for an hour or something like that. So anyways, if you're planning on doing something, turn off your Google Maps. Uh murder tracing tool um so investigators use the timeline feature on google maps to follow abrahamson's movements upon his return to south florida i skipped some other stuff he's actually from massachusetts he left his wife up there and said i want to go down to florida because it's too cold up here meet me down there Mm -hmm. um so one of his stops on his timeline was air gas in west palm beach uh two days before he was found dead detectives obtained a copy of abraham's receipt it was 189 dollars and 86 cents a purchase of a 40 cubic foot helium gas tank 
Okay, so we have that. Surveillance video from the north gate of uh, the country club showed him walking out, uh, carrying something in his left hand. So, um, yeah, so, so, okay, so the footage shows him with this thing in his left hand, maybe it's a helium tank, whatever. And then the video footage that they saw from nearby, you can't see him, but you can hear a single gunshot. So he did, oh. he got shot in some way. This is where the story kind of got interesting to me and why I wanted to talk about it. So in February, so this, um, this, this happened a while before, but in February, one of the detectives, uh, investigated investigating the death um looked at his email and he had an email that said thank you for your purchase alan we're getting uh, your order ready to be shipped we will notify you when it has been sent the order summary is a weather balloon for 55 dollars that was uh placed on christmas day so uh abrahamson also sent out an email on, uh to high altitude science on january 4th which is my birthday um it read i understood how the balloon lift calculator works my question is at sea level what is the maximum uh, what is the maximum cubic feet of helium that the 350 gram balloon ex can accept without bursting what does he do <laughs> i have an 80 foot uh cubic tank <laughs> can i <laughs> <laughs> Can I empty it without bursting the balloon? If so, oh, <laughs> uh, cut this out! It's so if, funny. He ordered he ordered this weather balloon on Christmas. Yeah, like, like whatever he was doing enough. on Christmas Day, he was like, "Oh, I guess." Uh, well, you sure nobody got me that weather balloon? I'm gonna go ahead and order it. <laughs> All right, make sure you don't. He got a gift. He might have got it? a gift card. Yeah, for, maybe. For weather balloon. Check and see how much helium that can take. Watch you to pop it. You know, like when your parents like you try to surprise tank. you with like a big gift, uh -huh. they give you like the small thing first. Like when our parents got us a DVD player, <laughs> right, they like right. like they gave us the DVD first. We're like, well, what are we gonna use yeah. this on? So we gave him like a helium tank. He was like, well, I don't have That's a weather balloon. They were like, check this out. Do you? <laughs> all right so uh anyways he keeps asking about these questions so fr fr <laughs> this is a random fact that's in the, the abc 10 friends and family members told investigators they weren't aware of abrahamson's interest in weather balloons <laughs> or uh, meteorology and they could have been thinking of any reason for him to have this so anyways uh so it goes on to talk about unusual things. So uh, the crime scene investigator point, pointed out something unusual about the sweatshirt he had been wearing when he was killed. She noted that the sweatshirt had a large blood stain on the upper left side with a hole in the center. On the outside of the sweatshirt uh, was a long, thin, linear stain that traveled from the inside circular stain to the top left side of the sweatshirt, uh, possibly indicating that something uh, in the blood was dragged across the top of the shirt. You guys have any theories yet? Something. So, investigators, go ahead. <laughs> I'm picturing his. He's got this balloon, and in my head, it's on a string, like a regular balloon, and it like pops and like launches something through his chest. Yes. Like it seems like he got shot, and then it goes flying, like. <laughs> <laughs> and drags the string out of his sweatshirt and he's uh, got a the there were scissors involved or found near him and all these other things um so anyways while researching the possibility uh of murder um or now suicide that the police have put on the table investigators stumbled upon a 2003 episode of csi crime scene investigation Ooh. the story uh, line involves an individual who stages a murder by tr by tying a gun to a helium filled balloon um so that when he shoots himself the gun is carried away by the weather balloon no. uh investigators <laughs> oh, also <what>? learned <laughs> of a similar incident in new mexico in 2008 in that instance the string tying the gun to the balloon got caught by a nearby cactus and that ruined that guy's effort in trying to do this that's crazy. i like how and so they stumbled upon an episode of CSI. Yeah, yeah that's like, really weird. Someone has clearly binge watching yeah, it. Yeah, somebody's watching like, all like 13 The intern in the back is like, well, wait, 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 wait. This <laughs> sounds a lot like episode one yeah. or two. So when detectives returned to the field in February, they discovered pieces of string and colored rubber bands about 40 yards away from Abrahamson's body. Um, they searched Abrahamson's home and found a roll of white string and colored rubber bands in his office desk. But it was the observation of a crime scene investigator that provided perhaps the most reliable piece of information. So they're saying that that 
large blood stain that was near the hole, like the kind of, I guess, whips upward and like leaves like a blood splatter, th- which I didn't know was, I thought that was not like legal information anymore, like blood stain splatter analysis. Oh, like credible? Yeah. Um, I guess if you add it to all the other factors that he's buying ridiculous things. Um, so anyways, uh, where am I again? Okay, so further investigation revealed that Abrahamson had sent several inquiries to the founder of High Altitude Science in the fall of 2017. Abrahamson had a series of questions about launching a 600-gram weather balloon. Maydell told investigators that he had recently launched this. Um, It was extremely... Investigators looked up the conditions that day. It was extremely windy, and they have come to the conclusion that the weather... And they have come to the conclusion that the weather balloon... um, the weather he, balloon yeah you're right not the water <laughs> balloon the weather balloon burst in the ocean somewhere north of the bahamas during a, a review of their phone records investigators found that he had been searching things like balloon helium gun suicide ammunition um these are searches that were on his google search thing so google really screwed him over here with his whole plan so in the in march uh they charged the or they set the case as a suicide but they still haven't found the gun, which they think is somewhere like by the Bahamas in the water based off the weather. Um, But they, they ruled it a suicide and that's what it is. I guess I just can't imagine like why, like if you're not framing somebody for your murder, why insurance purposes or something? Maybe that's where was this again? Uh, Palm beach gardens. That's pretty wild. Yeah. Um, I've mine super short. Uh, you've got a two plane midair crash. Um, three people dead, probably four. And they so they f- f- like literally found three dead people. Um, they they crashed and landed into the Everglades. Um, they assume there's probably four because these were both um, flight school planes. So they assume there was a student and a teacher in each. But they've only found three so far. Oh, wow. They were from the same flight school like literally two people out from the same school learning and they crashed into each other um i don't know if we're supposed to do this but they are from the dean international flight school (laughs) don't go um they uh have been so they've actually been in the news a couple times uh because of they've got kind of a poor track record um they've had 29 accidents from 2007 to 2019 so that average is about three a year um, and eight fatalities. Yes. Um, I think the strangest thing is like the owner is like average, right? Pretty, yeah. The owner's pretty chill about it. Like uh, he like was even like talking to like the news about it. He says that that's um, actually not that bad. <laughs> like, apparently, <laughs> that's like above my. Goal. I mean, they, yeah, they they operate like fifty something planes. So I think. I mean, as bizarre as it sounds, he might be right. Like statistically. Uh, you like number of planes to number of students to number of accidents might yeah. not be that bad. That's like uh, something we don't know about. Like I could, yeah. my friend is a flight instructor um, and he, I feel like, like he has told me about people who've passed away, but it seems like it's just like, it's really just part of the. Right. It the just, it field. just seems, yeah, it seems strange. Cause like, that's weird that that's just like, a, uh, like you said, like part of the job, like it's not like, space travel i expect there to be like you take into account like okay not everyone's gonna make it but like flight school seems like nobody should be dying those little planes certainly like the two-seater yeah yeah planes like those things intimidate certainly not that your students should be killing each other yeah that's That's insane um so yeah that's my story how are they near each other yeah that's that's what they're kind of they're saying They, they they must have either like because I think their flight pattern was like fine, like no, like nobody knew it was gonna happen. It wasn't like uh, mm-hmm. air traffic was like they're about to hit. Like uh, they must not have been paying attention to what they were doing. Yeah, thanks. Well, mine's a lot less morbid than yours. Mine's like kind of a feel good story. Okay. Um, so mine takes place in Mount Dora, uh, which is in Central Florida-ish. Um, so apparently. This husband and wife, they wanted to um, kind of re-renovate this wall that surrounds their house. And they decided to to make it look like, um, to recreate the Starry Night, Van Gogh's Starry Night. Mm. And so um, then, I guess, um, like city officials told them that 
the wall has to match the house, you know, trying to get them to like take it off. So what they did instead is they painted their entire house to look like Van Gogh's Starry Night. I saw that. It's insane. It's beautiful. It's yeah. this huge house. And so like, it's just gorgeous. And so, but apparently that is clearly that's not what the city officials were wanting so they like were fighting them and like and it was this whole big battle between like and then people were like like taking sides and it was just like this whole big thing i don't know how long this has been going oh since july 2017 is when this happened and um but i guess just uh so recently the the news now is that they dropped all the charges and actually apologized to them um to the city did and they're allowed to keep their house but and when i found out the reason why because i was like oh maybe they're just like hippie artists kind of people they actually have an autistic son and they wanted to um they thought it would be a cool thing like if he ever got lost or something like that oh. that he could be like oh the van gogh house start, yeah. and people would just be like oh right of course gotcha and um, well i was like how do you argue with that you yeah. know like and it, i mean it's beautiful they they did it really well it's not like some you know five dollar version of van gogh right, like it looks right. insane and so i'm glad that they get to keep it and now i i want to see it what cities is it mount dora mount dora we can yeah. go there too that's not too yeah far. we're in orlando yeah so um and which mount dora is a very like it's known for its arts and like so i'm very surprised right. that they were so against it at first that's but housing that's like, cool that they yeah. got to keep it that is cool mm-hmm. nice that was a good way to yeah. finish off me and Derek's murder so <laughs> yeah I, I can't help feel like you should I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> teach him his address like the, you know what I mean like <laughs> yeah I don't know how old he is yeah. I don't know no I don't I don't buy that part at all I think it's I think I, that's yeah, like a, that's true because you could have put a giant red line on, or you could just paint it green instead of the green yeah, like, yeah. like an ugly green Wow, guys! It's just yeah, I just seems like that's like a um, I mean, it's like a really good like, ar- uh, like argument takedown. Yeah, you can't, you can't yeah. push that like, back. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but good for them. I mean, whatever. It was, no, it's awesome too. I'm just looking at it now. There's an art to this stuff, so yeah. Let's yeah. go check it out. So cool. All right. Well, thanks for listening. Yes, thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Don't forget. Um, let us know if you got any uh, like corrections or ideas for things we should talk mm-hmm. about. Oh yeah, and then we're gonna have a. Um, an Instagram and a Facebook that will be set up when you're listening to this. But before you correct me, the bridge, the Skyway Bridge, is the longest cable-stayed concrete okay. bridge uh, okay. because I could feel those coming. <laughs> so if you hopefully listen to the end before you roast me, yeah, see us on the Instagram, Facebook. Thanks for listening. Right, thank you. Yeah.